We, if you haven't been here the past few weeks or you missed a week or here and there, we have been working through 1 John, the book of 1 John. And today we are going to talk about John's favorite theme. And any guesses? Anyone reading 1 John? Any guesses on what his favorite theme is? Love one another, yes. John uses the word love 24 times in that little book, 1 John. He uses it 24 times. And this is more than any other New Testament book. So it seems pretty clear to me that this is one of his main themes of this book. So we're going to talk about this a little bit today. And I've heard so many sermons on love, haven't you? I've heard so many people talk about love. Even the sermons or people in culture talk about love. You hear it so often that it sometimes it loses its meaning. Like, the word love is such a weird word. Like, what other word can I use to describe my feelings towards my wife and also my feelings towards a hamburger? Like, I love my wife. I also love hamburgers. What other word is like that, that we can use it in such a wide array of, of ways? It's, I don't think, the, we, we need more than one word for love, but we're, I guess we're stuck with it at this point. So, those are just random thoughts. Let's read First John 3. If you have your Bibles or your phones, turn with me to 1 John. 1 John 3. Let's see if I can get there. All right. I'm slow. 1 John 3, and we're just going to look at verse 1 to 3 for now. This says... See what great love the Father has lavished on us. Just like we were talking, saying earlier, his love endures forever. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. So I just want to focus on this first part of this uh, section here. And I want to focus on the language of children of God. This is a phrase that we sometimes throw around in the church, that we are children of God. Uh, I used to think about this phrase as just kind of a nice metaphor. Like it's kind of... Uh, just a helpful way of thinking about God like a father. And if he's our father, that means we're his children. And I often thought it was just kind of a nice thing to think of, a nice way to think about God. But as we look at the scriptures on that use this language, it's actually a very rich concept. So uh, let's take a look at John 3, verse 3 to 6. Many of you are probably familiar with this passage. And it's Jesus talking to Nicodemus. And Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And he says, How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter the second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. So Jesus here is talking about a spiritual rebirth. And what this really means is that is being born into God's family. 
There's other language in the New Testament about being born children of God. So when we, when we are born again, when we receive the Holy Spirit, we're born into God's family and we are his children. So a good verse that talks about being the child of God is Romans 8, verse 12 to 17. I know I'm, I'm going through a lot of scriptures here, but uh, hang in there with me and, and see if uh, you can keep focused on these. So Romans 8, verse 12 to 17 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption into sonship, into being a child of God. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. That is a, a powerful testament to our identity, to who we are in Christ, and to not just our status, but our, our role in our relationship to God. So being a child of God is not, it's not just a title. It means we get to be a part of the family business as well. We get to participate in the family business. So what are the privileges of being a child of God? What are the privileges of being in the family? The first is power over sin. We talked about that a couple weeks ago that John talked about this. Also here in Romans, he says, if by the, by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body. So the spirit helps us overcome our sin. The Spirit gives us power over our sin. When we're in the family of God, we have a restored relationship with God, and we're able to actually communicate with Him the same way that Jesus went off and prayed and talked to His Father. Uh, I don't know about you, if, but when I look back on my life before I experienced the Holy Spirit, I know that I was distant from God. Maybe back then I probably wouldn't have thought so, but now looking back, I think I was doing things that were so in opposition to the kingdom. Uh, things that obviously would hurt God's heart to, to see me live this way. And so when I received the Spirit and God pointed these things out in my life, um, I knew that I had this restored connection with God. I knew that I was restored in my relationship with Him. And He was willing to forgive me. And, and, and so I can say with John, what great love the Father has for us, that He's He's called us children of God, even despite our past, despite our sin. Uh, personally, when I look back, I can really, I can really relate to his, his statement there. Another thing we, when we're children of God, that uh, another benefit of being a children of God, a child of God, is that we receive an inheritance and we receive uh, glory at the resurrection when we're resurrected. Uh, John says, uh, we're not quite sure what our glory will look like, what our bodies will be like at the resurrection. Uh, but he says, we know we will be like Jesus. We know we will be in a glorified state like Jesus. He says, uh, we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. 
so there's a future aspect to being a son of God. There's a um, at the resurrection we know that we're going to be glorified with Christ. Another part of being a part of uh, being a child of God is that we are partakers of the divine nature. Is what how Peter talks about it. We get a small taste of the coming kingdom. So when it comes to things like spiritual gifts, uh, prophecy, healing, all these miraculous aspects of Christianity, those are small tastes now of the kingdom of God that's going to be fully uh, birthed after the resurrection. So these we do now get to participate in these, these powerful small aspects of the kingdom of God. And, and we're able to, to partake in the divine nature. I don't know about you, but that is a very significant, uh, powerful concept um, about being a child of God. We also get to experience God's discipline. Paul says, if we share in the sufferings of Christ, we will share in his glory. So we don't like, I think we don't like to think about discipline normally as a benefit of being a child of God. Normally when we're being disciplined or we're struggling in life, we think like, Lord, what the heck? What's going on? <laughs> why why is this happening to me? Um, but being disciplined by the Lord is a privilege. It is a privilege that grows us in righteousness. And as we draw near to the Lord, I think we can sense the moments when he's, he's allowing things to happen for a purpose. Um, yeah, and this is actually a gift. This is a gift to be disciplined by the Lord. And the last benefit of being a child of God is uh, kind of the main topic that we're looking at this morning is our ability. We have an ability to love. Through the Spirit, we, we receive an ability to love. So I think it's important for us uh, to think about love with this backdrop of being born again, of being born of the Spirit. Because oftentimes we think about love as something where um, maybe our relationship is not great, so we think, I'm just going to try really hard. I'm going to get all this willpower inside of myself, and next time I'm going to be a loving person. The next situation that happens, I'm going to be selfless. I'm going to be loving. But love is not a byproduct of willpower. Love does not come about when we just say, okay, I'm going to try really hard next time. Uh, I'm going to serve my wife really well. Uh, I'm going to serve my friend next time we get together. We're not going to argue. I'm just going to be really kind to them. But if, you, if you're like me, you probably know that doesn't work very well. Maybe it does. I don't know. Maybe it does it. <laughs> For me, it hasn't worked well when I think just next time I'm going to do really well. Uh, so love is not a byproduct of willpower. It's a product of the Spirit. It's a product of being born of the Spirit and allowing the Spirit to live through us. I like to think about it like, imagine you wanted to plant a watermelon plant in your garden. and But all you had were tomato seeds. And you plant the tomato seed and you think, okay, that's going to be a watermelon plant. And as it grows tomatoes come start to come on the plant and you cut them off and say no that's not a watermelon i'm cutting that off i'm just going to wait for this watermelon to come up and you put a sign in front of it and say this is a watermelon plant and you tell all your friends look look at my watermelon plant and they say what why are there tomatoes growing on it i don't get it and 
you can you can declare all you want about that plant. You can cut all of the tomatoes off. No watermelons are going to grow on that plant, right? So this it's kind of the same thing when it comes to love. We we sometimes declare, no, I'm a loving person. We declare it. We put our sign in the ground. I am loving. And then we say, um, yeah, next time I'm going to be a loving person. Uh, I'm intrinsically a good person. And then all of a sudden you're screaming at someone or you're being rude to someone or something happens where you're like, why is there a tomato growing on my watermelon plant? Why is there hate coming out of my loving heart? So you just cut the tomato off and throw it away and say, no, I'm actually a loving person. That was just a mistake. That wasn't, that didn't actually happen. So the reason that this is important is because the way we become more loving people uh, is it's different. Our response has to be different. So if we are born of the spirit, the way we become more loving people is to die to our old self and to allow the spirit to live through us. It's, we don't just try really hard to become loving. We, we have to die to our old self and allow the Holy Spirit to live through us. We have to take that tomato plant and we have to rip it out of the grass and throw it away out of the grass. No, out of the dirt, throw it away and then allow God to plant that watermelon plant. So we talked about how we do this as Christians on our first week of 1 John. We talked about repentance. We talked about confession. And uh, baptism is another way. These are all ways that we die to our old self and we allow the Spirit to live through us. Does that make sense? Is that it's a little, it's a subtle different way of thinking about love and the source of love. Um, spiritual rebirth is the starting point of becoming more loving people, being born of the Spirit. And then as we grow and mature, we have to die, put to death the misdeeds of the body, is what Paul says. So, yeah, love is not a byproduct of willpower. It's not a byproduct of our feelings. Sometimes we think, if we just feel this way towards this person, that's what love is. Those warm fuzzies you get when you're young and you talk to this cute girl or cute guy, those, those aren't love, believe it or not. Sorry to break it to you if, if you felt that, but those aren't love. Those are just hormones is what those are. <laughs> that's what that is. Um, love is not a byproduct of actions. We can't just say, I'm going to go serve this person a meal and maybe I'll start liking them at that point. Uh, you can do nice things and serve people and at the same time think, I really hate this person. This person's horrible. <laughs> that's, that's not acting out of a position of love. Love is also not a byproduct of the law. We often like to think if we just get the right... This, I'm saying this because election season's coming up. We often just think if we get the right person in power, everything's going to be okay. That's not true, believe it or not. Getting the right legal system in play is not going to change people's hearts towards love. It's important to have good government, but, but that's not going to bring about love. True love will include all these things. It will include feelings. It will include actions. It will include laws, but that's not the source of it. True love comes from a spiritual rebirth. It comes from the Spirit. 
Okay, so let's continue on here. What does love look like? What does it smell like? This, uh, John continues on here and says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother in, or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Notice the language of love being, uh, how, how he says, how can the love of God be in that person? He's talking about love coming through by the Spirit. This is how John talks through his whole epistle. He talks about um, being born of God and how our actions are signs of the Spirit being in us. So, he says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So true love looks like Jesus. It's a pretty easy answer. True love looks like Jesus. He, he laid down his life for us. He took the penalty for our sin. And we ought to have the same kind of disposition, the same kind of actions like him. And John gives us some very practical tips. He says, if someone's in need, if someone has a physical need, and you don't provide for them, how can the love of God be in you? How can the love of God be in you? Um, he said, he says, he's basically saying, if God's love is in you, it'll come out of you. If his love is in you, it will come out. So, very practical tips. If people are in need, if people have physical needs, uh, we are called to love them and to, to be sacrificial in the way that we love one another. Uh, so right now, I don't know if you are well connected to your community or you're uh, close to a lot of your neighbors, but there is a lot of need right now. There's a lot of practical needs in our culture. There's uh, a lot of people who have lost jobs. There's um, people who are struggling with mental health issues. There's uh, overdoses have gone through the roof over throughout COVID. Uh, it's really, really sad to see all of these things. So these are some of the, th the ways uh, that we serve our community, that we serve one another is by addressing these real tangible physical needs that people have. What are some other ways that we can love others? Uh, I'll just throw it out there. Anyone have thoughts on ways we can, any practical, tangible ways we can love one another or love our community here? Anything that God's put on your heart specifically? I know different people have, uh, the Lord puts different things on their hearts. When I take my bike ride, yeah. and, I see, and I see people, I say, God bless you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing, you pronounce, because we are born again, we're pronouncing a blessing onto those people. Yeah. And uh, it's amazing the response you get. Yeah. Uh, Wayne, sorry, I have to repeat it for people on Zoom. Wayne was saying, as he bikes along, he says, God bless you to people. And, and yeah, blessing the community, blessing people that we come into contact with is, is super important. Uh, being a light to those around us. Yeah. Anyone else, Teresa? Do you want me to get, let me get the mic for the people on Zoom. 
Is this one on? Just give Jeff a second to set it up. Hello. Just taking time to actually be a listening ear to somebody who is struggling during COVID and offering mm -hmm. to pray with them. Um, we're, we're even in COVID, people are just so busy and to just stop for a moment and actually really listen to, to someone is really important. Yeah, totally agree. We, we all have our strong opinions and beliefs and perspectives on things. Uh, taking the time to listen to people is a really good starting posture to, to just making people feel loved and supported. There's just an increasing number of people in our community who are homeless because housing is getting so much more expensive. Mm -hmm. So um, for me, I've, I definitely feel a call to help the people who are poor and homeless. So providing basic needs like food. And I, I pray that housing would be provided as well. Mm -hmm. That's not something that I'm involved in, but at yeah. least meeting basic human needs of food and shelter. Yeah, for sure. Yep, that's a big one. I think we we sometimes live unaware of of people who don't have housing and help oh, John. I I think sometimes God puts people on our hearts mm -hmm. and he impresses us that maybe we need to help them mm -hmm. uh, financially, a even though we don't know the need. Uh, sometimes I think that, that God just does that. And I think we need to be responsive to that. Um, very similar. Mm -hmm. We may not know the need, but God may be prompting us to do something just to help them, whether it's to meet a specific need or just to meet something in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. The, uh, we talked about last week the importance of paying attention to every, sorry, paying attention to times when you feel led to do something good for someone. If there's something that pops into your mind and you think, I should probably give this person a call or I should, I feel like I should give this person money. I'm not sure why. Uh, be obedient to that. That's often the spirit speaking to us. And as you, as you be, as you are obedient to that, you'll see the fruit of it. You'll see how uh, the fruit of being obedient to God. Any other thoughts? Ken? Sort of as a follow-up to what John said, be willing for a holy interruption. We have our schedule set. We have our routines. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when we feel that prompting, we're not sure that we want to be interrupted. Because we know our schedule, and come hell or high water, we're not gonna, we're not gonna leave that because that is our routine. So just be willing for a Holy Spirit interruption. Yeah, for sure. I I think most times when God prompts me to do something, I, I my initial gut reaction is, ah, I don't know if I want to do that because it's it you have to your routine's interrupted, your schedule's interrupted, and sometimes it's a little uncomfortable to just go and give someone something or so yeah you want to say? Um, I agree with the lady over there about the homeless and those that are marginalized mm -hmm. and um, the one thing that I try to do if I'm really uh, conscious about it is where it's so hot and humid and sticky and I think wow 
what if I was on the street, mm-hmm. um, or not even on the street, marginalized? And um, when it gets hot like this in the days, I just find throughout the day to pray specifically for those without showers, without clean clothes or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And also one thing if the community did want to do is um, if you buy the odd case of um, bottled water and you can take it down in back of the soup kitchen, mm-hmm. it would be appreciated. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh. I'll just say something quick to you. Something I've been pondering a lot lately is I'm thinking about Afghan refugees that will be coming into the region and how Mm -hmm. we can help as a church. Yeah, for sure, yeah. I think uh, a good place to kind of meet those people are some of the community agencies that help with with refugees, with job support. Uh, the, I used to work at part of the working center there. There was a lot of refugees that would come and try to find work there. And so being present in those spaces, I think, are the places where we're able to shine a light, willing, able to serve people, able to find out their needs. Uh, so that's a really important thing for us to be present in those places. Um, another thought that comes to my mind for ways that we can love others is to to proactively love the people you disagree with proactively love the people who have a different perspective on lockdowns masks vaccine passports whatever it is there's everyone's got different opinions on everything these days but my challenge to you is to love people who you know have a different perspective than yourself i have a a neighbor who she's a baker and she teaches an online baking course. And after we met one day, she, every couple of weeks, she started bringing over these fresh loaves of really good bread, like really amazing bread. And she'd always be super nice. She, I knew she was just doing it to be a loving neighbor and because she had extra bread. And I always think if I found out all of a sudden that she was, she had some really crazy views or was a conspiracy theorist or whatever, it would be really hard for me to say anything bad about her, wouldn't it? How could I say anything bad about this lady who every like week brings over this fresh loaf of bread just out of the goodness of her heart? These acts of service are powerful. These acts of love towards especially our enemies or people we disagree with. These are dynamite. These are the dynamite of Christianity that can blow up division, they can blow up disunity. Uh, these are powerful. So I really encourage you pay attention to when you feel love or you feel led to do something loving for someone. Uh, be rich in good works towards one another. So I think as we close, uh, let's just spend some time in prayer together. And I wanna ask God to put on our hearts something to do this week or someone to to love this week so let's pray together and as we pray pay attention to who the lord puts on your mind and if you have to write it down write it down if you think you're going to forget or or pretend you didn't hear anything write it down it's that's so important so father we come before you with hearts that want to love one another not just each other but love our enemies love those around us bring light to our community, bring hope. Lord, our hearts are...
humble before you and willing to do uh, the things you desire for us. We pray that you'd bring us to obedience. You'd make our hearts quick to obey. Uh, sometimes I'm a little slow to obey the things you put on my heart, but let us let us all be quick to obey, Holy Spirit. And Lord, I ask you that you would put on each of our hearts one person or one situation where we can be more loving and show us what to do. 